Well, good afternoon, everybody. I hope that you are ready. I'm excited. I believe this is a now word just for you. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, we're going to read a few verses. We're going to launch our reading at verse 15. Genesis chapter 29, verse 15. It says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. This woman had to be bad. My wife is bad, but I've never seen a woman so bad. We're like, I don't even know nothing about her yet, but I'm willing to work seven years for this woman. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days to him because of his love for her. People in the sanctuary will get everybody to say, aw, because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. Isn't he such a man? That's the first thing he says. He says, give me my wife so that I may go into her. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. It says that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of that place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning, either he was drunk or he was intoxicated with his desire, <laughs> that behold, he rolled over to Leah. And he said, I just got to pause. Could you just imagine that moment? You worked seven years for this woman. And you said it felt just like a few days. And when that sunlight hit her face, you see them delicate eyes. <laughs> it says, uh, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? Our verse of concern, our clause of consideration as we launch this new series takes residence in verse 23. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob and he went in to her. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody watching online, what do you do when you expected Rachel but you keep rolling over to Leah? Father God, thank you for this message. I pray that you anoint my lips to be the PA system of heaven. We aren't looking for just advice. Oh God, we need a word. And we're praying that you give it to us on tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees in that prayer, would you put in all caps in the room, amen. Not amen, but amen. Amen. So we're starting this brand new series. And if I just be honest, I feel like this is going to be awesome. We're starting a brand new series on tonight entitled Try Me. 
Now, this, this is a very personal message to me because it was, it's been in my belly since November of 2019. Our church came together and leadership was like, you know what, let's start another midweek service. And I was like, no, we don't need to do a midweek service. If we're going to do another service, let's do a weekend experience. Let's do a Friday or Saturday. I was like, no, I think we should do Thursday. And I'm just like, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think anybody's going to come out. I don't think anybody's going to watch on stream. I don't believe this is going to work. And they were just like, no, this is what we decided. So I'm in the sanctuary mad. You ever been so mad your ears are hot? I'm mad. I'm mad vacuuming. I'm talking to myself because it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't respond. <laughs> I'm in the sanctuary talking to myself. Like, Ain't nobody going to come to this. Ain't nobody going to watch online. And I'm not one to usually say that God told me. But on this one, God told me. It was just two words that I heard as I was vacuuming the pews with frustration, and it was, try me. Try me. I had chills at that moment, and of course now, fast forwarding, if you look through the obedience of this, you're watching online, we had started service before the corona outbreak, people were coming, the Lord was in this place, we were worshiping, but that's not even my point. My point is, I was so caught up when it wouldn't work, I had so much doubt, I had so much insecurity in it, that I recognized at that moment, I was having some trust issues. So I think for us to start this series off for lesson one, let's talk from this thought around this subject Trust issues. Does anybody have some of those? I have some trust issues. Because of what I went through, I have some trust issues. And I think this is a very important place for us to talk about on tonight. Trust issues. And I feel as though sometimes God is like one of my favorite childhood movies, Aladdin. I don't know if you remember this movie, but there was a scene when Aladdin was standing on this magic carpet. And I firmly believe that this is how God is doing to a lot of us. Aladdin stretched his hand and he asked Jasmine this question, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I want to show you a whole new world, but I can't show you a whole new world if you don't trust me. I can't show you a whole new dimension if you don't trust me. I can't take you to a whole new level if you don't trust me. I can't expand your faith if you don't trust me. I can't take you to another level of anointing if you don't trust me. I can't heal that wound if you don't trust me. I can't heal that marriage if you won't trust me. I can't help you in your loneliness if you don't trust me. If you want to go to a whole new world, you're going to have to trust me because many times I believe when we are doubting and what we and when we are worrying all we're really saying is God I don't trust you in this area that's all it is God I don't trust you in this area and I believe sometimes God is sitting on his throne and he's saying to himself why do they keep calling the devil a liar but then treat me like I'm one do you trust me? We coming for your life again. Let's get to work. So ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and everybody under the sound of my voice, this might be education to some, and it might be a reminder to others, but we are now in the year 2020. We have now been in this year for 106 days, for 106 days, and if you're like me, you came into this year with some expectation. There was some stuff that you said I'm going to walk into. There's some stuff that you said that you're going to walk away from. There's some goals you had. There's some things that you wanted to achieve. You were going to either graduate this year. Hopefully God can answer your prayer and send you a man this year or you discover a wife this year. You had all these financial goals this year, things you were going to pay off this year. Then all of a sudden, due to 
an unfortunate series of events. Due to a surprise, you and I received what we didn't order. Hmm. We kept getting things, please hear me, we kept on ending up with Leah when we expected, due to how hard we've been working out, how hard we've been praying, that we're going to get Rachel. Now, I shared this before with my local assembly, but this is new to you. There is nothing, please don't judge me, and if you do, it's okay. There is nothing more frustrating, nothing more irritating, nothing that makes me grit my teeth. Like when I go through the drive-thru, I place my order, and then they have the audacity to regurgitate back to me what I ordered. And then to add insult to injury, they have the nerve to say, is everything correct on the screen? I look at the screen and I'm smiling because I'm hungry and I say, yes, it is. I pull up to the drive-thru. I exchange in my money. They give me the bag. Now I'm driving off. I pull up in my driveway, mouth watering, stick my hand in the bag with hopeful expectation that I'm going to get and consume what my mouth has been watering for for the last three or four hours only to discover I got the wrong sandwich. I got the wrong sandwich. And in some cases, it's not even a sandwich. This is a pita. I didn't even ask for this. I ordered a grilled chicken sandwich. Why do I have a beef pita? This is not what I ordered. I ordered a number seven. Why did y'all end up giving me a number four? I didn't say four, I'm using Ebonics because I'm frustrated. Why did y'all give me a number four? Let your lip hang, four. Now in this moment, you can be three types of people. We have type A, I'm type A. I'm the individual where I'm like, you know what? I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat it because I'm just grateful I got food and it is what it is, I'm gonna just charge to the game. That's type A, that's me, right? But then we have type B. Type B, they gonna say something. They gonna complain, but they still gonna eat it though. They gonna call them and say, I ordered french fries, but you gave me these onion rings. I just want you to know about it. I want you to know that you inconvenienced me. I want you to know what you did was out of line. I want you to know that you messed up my order. And they did this because they're hoping for some type of gift card, some type of compensation for my difficulty, but they still gonna eat it. That's type B. And then you have my mama, and then you have my wife. Type C is all heaven now. Oh, heaven now to the now. Heaven now to the now, now, now. Heaven to the now. They gonna get that bag and they gonna go back up to the store. They not even gonna take the condiments out or a napkin. They gonna say, y'all messed up my order. Y'all messed up my order. I did not order this. I did not order this pita. I ordered a grilled chicken sandwich. I need to speak to a manager. I need you to go get somebody because this is not what I ordered. <laughs> that happens naturally. Well, before we move forward, I want you to tell me, which one are you? Are you type A? Like, you know what? I'm going to just charge the game. I'm going to eat it anyway. Or are you type B? I'm going to complain, but I'm still going to eat it. That's like my dad. Like, we'll go out to Papados or something, and they'll mess up. He'll call the waiter over. You didn't put my garlic on. Oh, we'll take it back. No, you ain't taking it back. I just want to let you know you messed up. <laughs> but he still eats it. But my mom, and she's like type C. She's like, uh-uh, just go and take it back. You said you wanted garlic powder. We're going to give you garlic powder. No, don't eat that. Don't put the spoon down. Give it back. Which one are you? Type A, type B, or type C? Now, this can happen if we go to Panera Bread. This could happen 
if we go to KFC. It could even happen if we go to Chick-fil-A. But Chick-fil-A is dope. They'll give you a free cookie and a free meal and a free sandwich and a sorry. They'll apologize. This could happen if you go to all of these places. But what do you do when it seems as though heaven has messed up your order? Yeah. What do you do when it seems as though God didn't hear you? When you are articulating with great detail that you wanted Rachel and for some reason and for some and for somehow God gives you Leah. <laughs> Will you trust him? Will you trust him when you expect Rachel, but God continues to give you Leah? Will you trust me? And see, I understand and I know that this is a problematic issue and it's a great concern of mine for the body, especially like I always say, Western Hemisphere Christianity, because we have heard over and over this false erroneous doctrine that God always says yes and that God always gives you Rachel. I know that this is a problem. See, I can already hear it online. Everybody got quiet. We expect God to always say yes. We expect God to always give us Rachel. I know that this is a problematic and deleterious issue because whenever we don't get what we want, time to come for your life, whenever we don't get what we want, whenever God places us in a difficult season, not because he's punishing you, but he's placing you in this season for the express purpose of what he put in your bosom to go through every trimester necessary for full development because God does not want you to miscarry. God does not want you to abort this. God is going to take you full term. Whenever we feel as though God has taken too long or we tire, we'll step out of the season we need to try to chase the season we want. Ah. We'll try to chase the season we want and forsake the season we need. But what if forsaking that season keeps us in cycle seasons? See, this, this is why we must have trust and character. Because I believe the devil sends storms not just to punish you, not even to stop you, but to activate reactive and impulsive behavior. He wants to get you so frustrated, so agitated, so irritable that you'll leave the church that you're supposed to be in because you don't like somebody else in the church or they said something to you and you'll relocate your place because you don't like the pressure of that place. You'll leave the marriage. Now, of course, if there's abuse or something, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about how we constantly run when it gets difficult. I believe the devil strategically sends trials, sends storms, and sends tests because he wants to see if I could activate impulsive behavior. I want to get them on a day where they're real irritated because yes, their gift makes room, but their character makes residence. And if I can get them to do something outside of character, it doesn't matter. Everybody will want to eat a five-star meal, but they don't want to eat it from a trash can lid, right? So he's like, if I could discredit them, I can't stop them. I can't stop what God is doing. I can't stop their call. I can't stop their anointing. I can't step, stop where God is taking them. But if I could discredit them by getting them to be impulsive, then... The audience of people that they're supposed to reach won't even tune their ear to what they have to say because I did something to get them to act impulsively. Please hear me. Please hear me. Everything you can't push away. Everything you can't rebuke. 
Everything you can't say, okay, I'm tired of this. What if God is looking for you to have endurance and trust? Please hear me. Endurance and trust. Endurance and trust. Endurance and trust. Trust and endurance. Because we're constantly trying to get out of stuff. But I see in the text, do you have the endurance and do you trust God when he allows you to spend the night in the lion's den and you really can't sleep well because of what's around you? Do you have the endurance to stand in the fiery furnace? Do you have the endurance to withstand in the storm? Do you have the endurance or as soon as it get difficult, you run? Do you trust God? And do you trust the process? And I believe that's the word that we need to hear on tonight is trust and endure. Trust and endure. Nobody said it would be easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But do you have the capability that I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand? I'm going to trust you even when I can't trace you. I'm going to trust you in trials. I'm going to trust you in roadblocks. I'm going to trust you in setbacks. I'm going to trust you when layoff hits. I'm going to trust when I don't have enough. I'm going to trust you because that's how God is going to strengthen you. That's how God is going to strengthen you. And please hear me on tonight. I know we don't like this type of preaching. But we need to hear it. We need more messages, more messages that give us roots and not just branches. Because like I said last week, those sugar-coated messages don't work. Those sugar-coated messages weren't bringing forth revival. Those sugar-coated messages weren't unleashing the power of God. Sugar-coated messages weren't activating the miraculous. And as I began to travel, as my wife began to travel with me, we began to recognize a lot of churches have a sweet tooth. A lot of churches have a sweet tooth and we like sugar-coated content, which is an oxymoron in itself because we're called to be salt. (laughs) Y'all missed it. It's an oxymoron in itself because we're called to be salt. There's a war. Please hear me. There's a war that you and I are in. And the weapon of choice by the enemy is the weapon of distraction. Please listen. There is literally a war over your concentration life. Can you concentrate? There's a warfare over it because the devil knows mismanaged focus causes misplaced trust. Did you hear what I just said? Mismanaged focus causes misplaced trust. So if I'm focused on money, then I'll put my trust in the career. If I'm focused on money, I'll put my trust in the investment. I'll put my focus, my trust in the job. But then when I get laid off, oh, that reveals I have misplaced trust. Yeah, that reveals I have put my trust in my resource instead of of my trust in the source. Because mismanaged focus causes misplaced trust. And I think we've done a great job. We've taught you how to shout. You heard that sermon before. We've done a great job. We've taught you how to dance. You've heard that sermon before. We've done a great job. We've taught you how to give. You've heard that sermon before. We've done a great job. We've taught you how to praise. You've heard that sermon before. But what we haven't really served you well in is how to suffer. How to suffer. How do we handle loss? How do I handle trials? How do I handle letdowns? How do I handle when I keep on getting 
Leah and I expected Rachel. How do I still have faith in that? How do I still have faith when I prayed and they died anyway? How do I still have faith when I asked God to help me with this and it doesn't seem like he came through? How do I still have faith? And if we don't touch on this, everybody, if we don't touch on this church family, we'll be people who can only handle blessings, but we can't handle tests. So, like many times God is saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? What if I told you, what if I told you that Leah is actually the blessing? What if I told you that Leah is God's will, but Rachel is your will? See, we got to talk about this because there are a lot of people who say, I just believe God will give me the desires of my heart. And if I desire Rachel, then he's going to give me Rachel. We have to really break that down because if God were to give you the desires of your heart, if you like me, you have sinful desires. And actually, if God gave us all the desires of our heart, he will be helping us sin. So this means we have to break this down. When he says he gives us the desires of our heart, it's because our heart is so in tune with God's heart that we end up desiring what he desires. And he puts his desires in our desires. So now I desire what he desires. So he gives me the desires after my own heart because my desires is after his own heart. Does that make sense? What if I told you the blessing is Leah because Leah is God's will, but Rachel is your will. Let, let, let's talk about the roads of wills for a second because a lot of times people don't tell you when you come to Christ, this Christian journey is more like a tollway. <laughs> it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you some relationships. That dude that you thought was the one once you got saved and on fire and you recognize it's hard to be holy with this one, with this woman, with this girl, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. But when you live life your way, it's more like a freeway. <laughs> a freeway. On the freeway life, you can do what you want to do. You can say what you want to say. You can go where you want to go, date who you want to date. If you don't like them, God must not like them either. It's all about you. On the freeway, it's about your will because it's more about being feelings-based and spirit-led. So if you ain't feeling it, you ain't doing it. If you don't feel like getting up, you're not getting up. If you don't feel like sacrificing, you're not sacrificing. If you don't feel like being held accountable, I'm not being held accountable. If I don't feel like going with them, even though they make me stronger, I'm not going with them because it's all feeling-based. I'm working hard for Rachel and I don't care what anybody else thinks because this is what I want. I don't care if it hurts my family. I don't care if I work so much and I'm not there for my children. This is about me. The freeway. See, people who traffic in this lane, they're consumers, not producers. Y'all ready for this? They're consumers, not producers. These type of people, they always see you as a purse, not a person. <laughs> they see you as a purse, not a person. They're consumers, not producers. Another trait of these type of people who carry out their will, they possess a convenience store mentality. They only traffic in convenient lanes. If you try to inconvenience them to leave the cruise line of their comfort zone, they'll cut you off, they'll go ghost, they won't text you back, they won't call you back, they won't have nothing to do with you because you're constantly trying to get them to leave their comfort zone. These are people who live their way. And then we have people who have a vampire's nature. This is that Jesus saved me, but don't change me. I just want your blood and that's it. <laughs> and I think sometimes the reason we have trust issues is not because of God. It's because of people. We have misplaced people. 
And now I have trust issues due to the places I placed people. Can we talk? Spoke about this in a webisode not too long ago. There are really four types of people. We have pawns, we have projects, we have partners, and we have parasites. Woo! Pawns, partners, projects, and parasites. And if you can't discern your partner from your project, no wonder you have trust issues. Because you trusted, you issued trust to somebody who never showed themselves trustworthy. You put them in a room in your heart. Okay, let's just break it down. Let's just break it down. Number one, projects. Okay? Before I go into this, I want us to understand this. This is why we need discernment. Because you always can't tell which one is a project, which one is a pawn, which one's a partner, which one's a parasite. So I need discernment. And you know what I believe discernment is? Needed discernment is God's calling to us to engage in intercession. Did you hear what I just said? Needed discernment is God's way of calling you into intercession. You're going to have to pray about this one, ma'am. You're going to have to pray about this one, sir. You can't make this decision just off rolling dice on just off what you think. Because if you look at your resume, why you trust you so much, you're going to encounter a situation, a person, an opportunity where it's going to cause for you to pray. I need discernment because discernment is the ability to remove presentation. Discernment is to be able to remove the presentation because a lot of people present themselves to be one thing, but the intention and the motive of it is another thing. And I need to pray because I need some discernment. Discernment will give you this, they talking good, but there's just something not sitting right in my soul. There's just something there telling me, don't take this offer, don't call her back, don't do this back, because it's discernment. Project. A project is a person you're not looking to build a bond. You're looking where to place bricks. Yeah, this is a relationship you just help, you just building with them. This is an assignment, not an alignment. You don't date projects, you help them, but you don't date them, okay? Now listen, my sisters, this one applies to you really heavily, okay? I feel your pain. This one applies to you because God has cosmically created for you to be a helper. And this is why you must have significance before somebody else's arrival comes on the scene because you'll confuse your contribution as confirmation. <sighs> you'll confuse your contribution as confirmation because you really never really felt valued. You really kind of struggle with your own insecurities. And because you see how your help is making a difference in them, because you see your help is benefiting to them, because you see that their help is actually causing for them to appreciate you, you end up liking them and catching feelings for them. But this is not somebody you're supposed to join up with. This is somebody you just build. And if you don't know your value, if you don't know your value, you'll confuse your contribution as confirmation. Everybody say project. That's a project. Now, a, a, a parasite. Parasites are people who drain the life out of you. Like they live off of you. And this is why some of us have trust issues because we trusted a parasite. They live off of you. I'm going to take it a little deeper and put my foot on the gas. This is why your ex keeps coming back. This is why you keep getting that text from that ex to saying, hey, what's up, stranger? Hey, what's up, big head? Because they lived off of you and they haven't found another host to attach themselves to. They haven't found another host. And so they come back because you literally gave them life. Okay? This, this 
is a parasite. These are the type of people, if you let them, they, keep, they will keep sending you in recovery season after recovery season after recovery season. And truthfully, they hate to see you grow. Because when you grow, you remove what y'all had in common. This is good. You remove what they had in common with you. So they don't like to see you grow. So these type of people can be very, very, very strong manipulators because they, they fear if you ever grow, you're going to outgrow me. Parasites. Now listen, parasites also, also should shift your perspective. You'll go from, man, I was just lonely to, you know what? I just want God's will. I just want God's will. I had that before. I'd rather peace than your company, okay? I have a new hobby after that relationship. I have a new hobby after that. You know what my new hobby is? I enjoy not engaging in parasitic relationships and having my peace and choosing my peace over your drama. That's what I enjoy. That's my favorite hobby now. They give you new hobbies. Somebody say parasites. Now, pawns, pawns are people who are sent by the enemy to disturb your inner me. Did you catch that? Pawns are people who are sent by the enemy to disturb your inner me, your inner peace, your inner passion, your inner joy, your inner security. You weren't questioning anything until they came along. And there is a constant decline in your spiritual hunger. Now listen, they also carry the attributes of the devil. What does the devil do? Kill, steal, and destroy. You want to know how you're dealing with a devil? If ever since they came in your life, they killed something, they stole something, and they destroyed something. <laughs> That's the clearest way to identify this is a pawn and this is not a partner. Now a partner is an individual who helps you evolve. You were already evolving before them, but ever since they came in, there's been an ex like, an, like an increased level of your evolution because they came into your life. That's a partner. And if we can't discern which one is placed in which category, we'll have trust issues. And so, of course, when God tells us to do something, we won't really trust that because the last time I trusted somebody, I ended up falling for somebody who had no intentions of catching me. And that bleeds over in our faith and our prayer life. And so we doubt God because somebody else that we put our trust in was really a parasite, but we called them a partner. <laughs> Preach, Holy Ghost. That's always going to cost you when you recognize it's about God's way. It's about God's will. It's going to cost you some relationships. It's going to cost some people making fun of you. It's going to cost for you to remove certain things out of your life because you're more caught up with God's will than your will. Jacob, I'm like, okay, he had to be drunk. He had to be under some type of influence because the Bible says her eyes were delicate. And I'm thinking at the wedding, were you not looking at her eyes? Were you not look, even if they were covered up, were you not looking through that veil? It must have been a thick type of veil for you to not be able to see that this is not what you wanted. And this may be comedic to some of us, but it's possible for you to want something so bad that you don't even recognize you getting the wrong thing. You will start saying stuff, I just have a peace about it. I just have a peace about it. God just told me, you are wanting something so bad that you can't even see that this is not Rachel, that this is Leah. This brother worked seven years for this woman. Seven years for this woman discovered he got deceived and said, you know what? I'm going to work seven more years because I want Rachel so bad. 
And it's so funny because the whole time, I'm going to show you something that will probably blow your mind, but the whole time as he's doing this, Leah was always the will of God. Rachel was the will of Jacob. And I wonder how many things that you're working hard for. I wonder how many things that you're working hard for and you want it so bad that you haven't paused and looked and prayed and asked God, God, is this your will? What if I want Rachel, but that's not what you want for my life. You want me to have Leah. So let's look at this. In Genesis chapter 29, verse 31, it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. I could preach that all day. The very thing that you wanted doesn't produce fruit, okay? When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, so now we see God cares about Leah. You know, the thing that he thought was the wrong one, that he said, what did you do to me? God cares about that because that's God's will, okay? So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. I want to pause for the cause. And I want you to recognize this woman is having sex with a man that she knows doesn't love her. She knows this man doesn't love me. Ladies, please listen to this. A man can give you his time. He can give you his body. He can give you his conversation. He can even give you his money, but you still not have that brother's heart. And she's trying so hard. The Bible says she feels afflicted because she's not getting loved by her husband. I want you to watch this, okay? And she called his name. Let's go to verse, the next verse. Uh, I, the Lord saw that I am a love. He has therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again. So I've seen this. Jacob is like, I don't love you, but I could use you. I should just end this stream right now. I don't love you, but I could use you. And because you want me to be attached to you, because you want me so bad, because you want me to really, really notice you so bad, you're overlooking the fact that you're not even pleased yourself. Now I want you to look what happens. Look, she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. What? Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. I could throw my mic right here, but I can't because it's attached to my face. This woman was like, you know what? I'm trying so hard to get you to notice me. I'm trying so hard to get your attention. I'm, I'm going to stop focusing on you. I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to give birth to something, and I'm going to call this one Judah because this is when I recognize once I praise God, I don't have to produce for you anymore. The Bible says she stopped bearing. She's like, you know what? I don't have to, have to get your acceptance. I don't have to get your approval. You don't like me? That's your problem, boo-boo. You don't like me, that's your issue. You don't want me here, that's your problem. But once I get to a place where I discover as long as I got my focus on God, because like we said, mismanaged focus causes misplaced trust. But once she recognizes as long as I got God, I can stop producing for you. Now let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Jacob loved Rachel. But what if you love what you don't need? 
And God knows this is distracting you. Oh, this is so good. This is distracting you from what I need for you to focus on. I want you to see what God does. Look, check this out. Let's go to verse um, 16. Genesis 35, verse 16. Genesis chapter 35, verse 16. It says, then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go, Rachel labored in childbirth and she had a hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear. You will have this son also. And so it was as her soul was departing for she had died that she called his name Ben-Omai, but his father called him Benjamin. I was like, man, this shows something to me so powerful. This boy worked 14 years for this woman. But I believe when we're focused on the wrong thing, God will allow certain things to die so that you can focus on what's going to help you live. This relationship has to die. Because as long as he or she is here, you're not focused on me. You're not seeking my face. And so God's like, I know how to get your attention. We heard this all in our last series. When God doesn't have your attention, he will disturb what does. So if you listen to this, you're like, okay, I hear, I hear this, but why do you keep saying that God's will was Leah? I'm going to show you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to end with this. Matthew chapter 1. Check this out. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah. Whoa, what? Jacob begot Judah. Judah was the son of Leah, the woman that Jacob never wanted. But what he didn't want it, the father needed. What he didn't want, the father needed, and it was so critical for him to get Leah because it brought in the Messiah. What if you are wanting your Rachel so bad that you're missing that Jesus is in your Leah? Jesus is in that thing that you said, this ain't going to work. Jesus is in that thing that you say, this is dead. Jesus is in that thing that you say, it's over. It's never going to happen, but God was in Leah. And this whole story shifts because it gets me to understand if I trust when God gives me Leah. If I trust when God gives me Leah, even when I worked hard for Rachel, I prayed hard for Rachel, I believed for Rachel. If I trust in God when he gives me Leah, I will see that there's glory in this. There's a way maker in this. There's a promise keeper in this. There's a savior in this. There's a redeemer in this. There's an alpha and the omega in this, but you won't see it as long as you're upset about your order being incorrect. Trust issues. Trust issues. What do you do? When you keep on praying for Rachel and you roll over to Leah, how about instead of being type C, taking it back, maybe there's purpose in Leah. Maybe there's something that God wants me to get. Because we see from this story that Leah, her bloodline was the bloodline of Jesus. So Father God, we pray, help us to have a heart that trusts you. I may not understand it, but I trust you. I may not like it, but I trust you. It may be difficult, but I trust you. Help me with my trust issues. I've tried everything else. I've tried relationships. I've tried cheap sex. I've tried weed. I've tried lesbianism. i tried alcohol. i tried clubs. i tried all of that. And we're hearing you.
Say, try me. Try me. Try me. And trust me so that even when I give you Leah, it's going to turn out not just for your good, but for the good of every bloodline after you. In Jesus' name we pray.